A glorious teaching today, the only remedy for sin. The only remedy. I'm going to talk about that because it's the word of God and to Jesus. And I mean to Jesus. Be all the glory. And God's people said, Amen. Thank you for being my wonderful partner. I pray the Lord will use you, bless you, and meet every need in your life. I want to hear someone say amen. That's right, because God promised to do that. Again, let's pray. Wonderful Lord, thank you for your word. Oh, precious Jesus, we thank you for your precious promises. Open our eyes wide today, Lord, that we might see and understand this wonderful truth from your precious word. Amen. All right, Isaiah 53, verse 6. Let's all go together. Isaiah 53. I'm going to read right through verse 10. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed. He was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He's brought as a lamb to the slaughter as a sheep before her shearers is dumb, so he openeth not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment. And who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the, for the transgression of my people was he stricken, and he made his grave with the wicked, with the rich in his death. Because he had done no violence, Neither was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Here we see the death, the suffering, and the resurrection of Jesus all in this portion. In verse 6, it starts with, he has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Think about the suffering of the Lord. He was oppressed and afflicted, suffering. Brought as a lamb to the slaughter, suffering. He was taken from prison, verse 8, suffering. And from judgment, who shall declare his generation? He was cut off out of the land of the living, his death. Why? For the transgression of my people was he stricken. He made his grave with the wicked, with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence. Neither was any deceit in his mouth. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin, he shall see his seed. That's the resurrection. He shall prolong his days, meaning he'll see the church and the, and the results of his death. Prolong his days, resurrection, life. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Jesus took our sickness, our disease, and our pain upon his body. Our sin, it says his soul. Listen to this powerful truth here. It says that his soul is what he took our, our sins upon his soul. Wow. And what is so powerful is what it says in verse 10. It pleased the Lord to bruise him. He hath put him to grief when thou shalt make his soul an offering for sin. So 
When it comes to sin, he bore it on his soul. His body took our diseases. Now, the Bible has some amazing things to, to say to us about the only remedy for sin. There's only one remedy, a sacrifice. In, in Hebrews chapter 10, let's see what the Bible says about the sacrifice that the Lord became the sacrifice. But first, let's see the way it was done in the Old Covenant because it says in those sacrifices there was there is a remembrance again made of sins every year. It's not possible that the blood of bulls and goats should take away sin. But then you, you look at this amazing verse in Hebrews 9. Let's go back to Hebrews 9 and verse 26. Here's what it, what it says. Because those offerings of the Old Covenant did not do the job. Because it says, for then must he often have suffered since the foundation of the world. But now, wow, but now, once in the end of the world hath he appeared to put away sin by the sacrifice of himself. Paul explains this tremendous truth about Jesus being the only sacrifice for sin. And what does that mean? He explains it in a very important portion in 2 Corinthians 5, 21, which I think some people have misunderstood because they don't relate it to the Old Testament. In verse 21, it says in 2 Corinthians 5, For he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now, I pray the Lord will take the scales off the eyes of some of you that may not have understood this. Many people who read this do not realize that Paul had in mind the Old Testament sacrifices when he wrote this. So when he wrote, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. In his mind, he, 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 he understood and saw the sacrificial system of the old covenant. Because we understand, and we have to understand this context only when we realize that according to the law of the old covenant sacrifices, the animal that was sacrificed the animal that was sacrificed identified identified with the sin of the person who sacrificed that animal. So Paul sees it in that light, that in the Old Covenant, what he understood is something very powerful and clear, that the law of the Old Covenant sacrifices was that the animal that was sacrificed was identified with the sin of the person who sacrificed the animal. So when Jesus was sacrificed on the cross, he was identified with our sin, just like the animal in the old covenant was identified with the sin of the individual that offered that sacrifice. 
So basically, the sin of that person in the Old Covenant was placed on the animal. So when the Lord died on the cross as the only acceptable sacrifice to God, because the Bible is clear that the blood of animals could not take away sin, when God saw the blood of animals, he already saw the blood of his son. That's why those animals were accepted, because he saw the the blood of Jesus. And the blood of Jesus was shed before the foundation of the world in the heart of God. It says so in Revelation. So by the fact the blood of Jesus was shed already in the heart of God when those animals were offered, God did not see the, the blood of those animals. He saw the blood of his son shed already in his own heart. And so Israel was allowed to approach and be forgiven. But this is a very simple and profound truth. And what an amazing and a a profound exchange when you think about it. That God made Jesus to be sin with our sinfulness. So that in return, we might be made righteous with his righteousness. So God made Jesus, like Paul said, for he hath made him to be sin for us. So God Almighty made Jesus to be sin with our sinfulness, just like the animal in the old covenant took the sin of the person offering it. And in return, which never took place in the Old Covenant in this case. In return, we were made righteous with the righteousness of the Lord. There was no righteousness in the animal. All they did in the Old Covenant is they were forgiven. No one became righteous. That's why the blood had to be offered over and over and over again. God did not justify or declare that individual righteous in the old covenant all that happened is they were forgiven that's it that's why we are justified we are declared righteous by his righteousness that's the new covenant in the old covenant they were simply forgiven in the new we are forgiven and justified hallelujah that's glorious So now, we in return were made righteous with the Lord's righteousness. So this is God's remedy. There is no other remedy for sin. But I've got to explain something to you that is really important, that will help you capture the whole teaching because there's more to this. There's much more to this because... We have to understand also this. So let's let's look at Romans 8, 31, 32 first. What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? Now Paul is, is emphasizing the all-sufficient sacrifice of Christ. He's talking about the all-sufficient sacrifice of the Lord, what he says, 
What shall we then say to these things? If God be for us, who can be against us? And then he says, he that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all on the cross, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? So all things are provided for us through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. So Paul now is, is talking about the remedy, the only remedy for sin. And he says, if God did not spare his own son and delivered him up to die on the cross, will he not with him freely, freely give you everything? So now all things are provided through the sacrifice of the cross. God the Father having given Jesus, will not now withhold anything from you. I want to repeat that. God Almighty, having given up his son, it says he, he that spared not his own son, he delivered him up for us. So God the Father, having given, having delivered up Jesus, now will not withhold anything from you and me. But only with Jesus. Think about, and by the way, this is my favorite verse in the whole Bible. That if God would give his son, would he not give us everything else? Everything else. But only through Christ. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him? People forget that with him, two very powerful words, with him also freely give us all things. In other words, everything that we receive once we're saved comes with him. Jesus gives it to you and I. So one sacrifice, the Lord is that sacrifice, releases on you and I the total abundance of God Almighty. That's what it says. How shall I not with him give us all things? All things means abundance. Everything, everything. So I want, in, in fact, I'm going to begin to really ask you to do this for yourself. Don't let a day go by. Make that decision now, because I do that with me. Don't let a day go by without meditating on that truth. That's why it's my favorite verse on the whole Bible. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. How shall he not with him give us? Freely. I think about that verse over. Sometimes when I'm facing a real problem, I'm thinking, Lord, you already gave me Jesus. Won't you give me my healing, my deliverance? Answer to my prayer. Save my loved ones. And so, this is an eternal truth we are to meditate upon for the rest of our life. That Jesus, was given to us.
the most precious gift God could give us, his son. Would he not give us everything else? And I think sometimes people don't realize as soon as the cross becomes displaced, this is the problem with some people. The minute you remove the cross as being the center of your life, you lose this. You lose this promise. Can I say it again? Why do people lose with God? Because they take the cross out of their life. And when you take the cross, you know what? I'm feeling the anointing of saying it. When you displace the cross out of your heart, when you put something else in its place, you lose all the promises are gone. Everything is gone. That's why people become, you know, bound and they struggle and they get confused and they don't know what's the truth and what because the when the cross is gone confusion sets in when the cross is gone people are troubled and perplexed and and messed up in their head and heart because without the cross you see the cross should become and stay the center of our life, the center of our heart. Because if it isn't, (laughs) our hearts are in trouble. That's why you see what's going on out there today. All the bondage and the demonic attacks on people. You know, I don't want to boast, really, I don't want to boast. I have not known bondage in my life for years, for years. Because I learned one, one key, and I want to still finish because I'm not done talking about the process of the cross, the process you and I go through. But I'll come to that. So what Jesus has done, let me, let me, let me, let me, let me show it to you. Let's go to Hebrews. Let's go to Hebrews. I want to look at chapter 10 because this is key. This is really key. Because if people don't understand this verse, they're not going to get it. Like, how can I make the cross central in my heart? Listen to these words. For by one offering, verse 14, Hebrews 10, for by one offering he hath perfected forever them that are sanctified. Interestingly, the Greek says, are being sanctified. Not are being sanctified. The, The King James writes, that are sanctified. The original says that are being sanctified. Sanctification is a process. So, the work of Calvary is perfect. But what Jesus did must be appropriated in our life. And when we appropriate it, it becomes a process. Progressive sanctification. Nobody is sanctified like that. Sanctification is a life. It's a process. It's a process. So when you got saved, God declared you righteous, but you have to grow into that righteousness through sanctification. And the Bible is clear on that. Read Romans. Romans has three headlines. Three headlines. Justification, sanctification, Glorification. 
We are justified when we accept Jesus, Christ as our Savior, we're declared righteous. But now we have to grow into that righteousness by being sanctified, walking daily with the Lord, and then we will be glorified with him. The problem is nobody wants to, to walk progressively. We have to appropriate the perfect work of Calvary. So legally it is ours, but we have to experience it. And to experience it is a process. It took me years to get this. It took me years to even figure this one out. But years ago I saw it. No, I have to cooperate with God. I have to walk with God. I cannot live with the life saying, well, I was saved back in 1972 when I'm in. No, that was the beginning of salvation. Not the end of salvation. We have to live salvation. We have to work out salvation. We will be nearer to our salvation when we see the Lord. We will be fully saved, but we will be nearer as we come closer to that day. Now, people you know, will disagree with me and all that. That's fine. Let them disagree. Sanctification is a process, and that's what I mean by ongoing salvation. You cannot rely that the cross happened 20, 30, 40, 50 years ago in your life. You carry it with you, Jesus said. You take that cross with you. Meaning you live the life every single day. Now, I want to say a few more things. Because this is a process. Jesus did it. We work it in our lives. Jesus did it. He completed the work. He said, it is done. But you and I have to work that in our life. And how does that happen? Well, John 1.12 says, as many as received him. So we have a part to play. So he gives us the authority, but we have to take the authority. As many as received him, to them gave you power to become, to become the sons of God. Process. Live it. Walk in it. Take the authority. So that is very important. Authority means nothing unless we use it. Now, I'm going to say something very important. Be ye holy as I am holy. In the Old Testament, in the Old Testament, they had to obey a set of rules to be holy. In the New Covenant, we don't have to obey any rule. We have to accept the sacrifice of Christ Jesus to be holy. The only remedy for sin is the sacrifice of Christ. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all. He took our iniquities. He took all our sin. We are free from condemnation. And now we live that sanctified life. We grow into righteousness. And that is how we are free from sin. And Paul talks about that so beautifully in Romans. Lord, bless them. Oh, bless them, Lord, with your knowledge. Take the scales off our eyes, Lord. Open up this blessedness in our life that we might see it clearly, understand it fully, and live it daily. 
in your precious name. And thank you, Lord, for your promise. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? And Lord, I pray that one that's calling on you now, Lord, for that healing, that deliverance, that miracle in their life, that peace in their soul, granted, I pray in Jesus' name. If there's anyone watching me who's not saved, this is the time to really give your life to the Lord. Just say, Lord, I'm tired of my sin. I'm tired of my bondage and darkness. Set me free now, Lord. Come into my heart. Save my soul. Live your life in me and through me. Cleanse me now with your blood. I surrender completely to you, Lord wonderful Jesus. Amen and amen. I really have sensed the anointing talking today to you. And now I want to pray with you that the Lord will bless you and bless your future financially. Yes, yes. I don't apologize for asking you to support the Lord's work. It's the Lord's work. I'm not asking you to give it to me. You give it to the Lord. And he will bless you for it. That its work might go on that people's lives might, might be blessed. You have no idea how many people tell me they, they watch me on social media every day. I was talking to a sweet lady in Austria named Nuha. She's from Lebanon, who was just telling me how blessed she is and her family. I hear that all the time from all over the world, people are watching. And I'm so thrilled that God is touching people around the world today. But we need support the Lord's work. We need to to get the gospel out. The the darkness in the world is getting so thick. The the, the demonic is becoming so so thick. And only the light of the gospel can, can bring people peace and life and eternal life, especially. So help me do it. I'm only simply asking you, help me keep doing what I'm doing in in strengthening the church in telling the world about the Lord we all love. So let's keep doing it, okay? You can sow your seed right now to the ministry by going to our website, benin.org. It's all there for you. It's so simple. You can do it on the platform that you're watching on now, but it's so simple to go to our website, benin.org. You can text it on your phone, bhm45777. But I'm asking you to give today. Lord, bless them, meet their needs. Oh, prosper them financially, Lord. For you said, if we give bountifully, we receive bountifully. You said, give it shall be given unto you. Bless them, Lord, and meet that need financially in Jesus' name. Amen. Don't miss tomorrow and share this with your friends, please, okay? Much love. Bye-bye. Benningham Ministries has stayed on the cutting edge for the past five decades. The Lord made it clear that keeping and storing all archives and resources should be a top priority. Thus far, we've rescued and digitized 10,500 of the 13,437 tapes from the past half century. Pastor Benny's legacy, life's work, calling and anointing will be preserved for generations yet to come. Nearly 50 years ago, 
This great adventure known as Benny Hen Ministries began with one voice. Today, that one voice continues to be amplified over and over through every possible means. What happens next will be the greatest blessing of all. Isn't it wonderful what the Lord has done? And to Jesus be all the glory. I wanted to show you this beautiful report about the digitizing of thousands and thousands of hours already of the great meetings from the past because we want to keep them for our children, grandchildren, and great-grandchildren. So we need your help still. So thank you, thank you. I just wanted to show you that your money is doing the job. What you gave in the past is really making it happen. But let's keep doing it for the Lord, please. This is for His glory, because now it can go to every nation on earth, in every language on earth, because of your help. All right, you can give right now on the platform you're watching me on, you can go to our website, benihim.org, or you can simply text BHM45777. So thank you for loving, thank you for giving, and let's keep glorifying our wonderful Savior. Much love to you. Thanks again.